0: Well, happy Father's Day to you all. Let me add that um, just blessing to you today. Those of you who are fathers, those of you who have fathers, I said that always kind of covers pretty much everybody at one level or another, um, but, uh, but also those who uh, may be grieving today uh, the loss of their father. My own dad passed away 16 years ago uh, this coming July, and, uh, and I miss him all the time, and I'm so very, very grateful for what he um, offered into my life and uh, for the legacy that he has left in my life. Um, and the beautiful thing about fathers is that they are meant to be a reflection of God's love. Now, they do it imperfectly. Uh, my dad was imperfect, which is a characteristic that I inherited from him, um, <laughs> is being an imperfect father myself. Uh, but, uh, but we'd still see glimpses of God's beautiful fatherhood in our fathers. That's the hope, is that we see those moments and those places where our earthly fathers, reflect God's love into our lives. And they certainly do it imperfectly, but but we're grateful for the way in which he does reveal his love to us. He also reveals part of his plan to us. You know, that's, that's what the Bible does. It's God's story. It's the Father's story for us of his plan and of his love towards humanity and we have been exploring that together as we have been on this journey through the gospel according to matthew that's where we have been we just started this journey a couple of weeks ago it'll carry us on throughout the summertime and into the early fall but as a way of just reviewing a little bit about where we've been i want to give you some insights into the gospel of matthew and where we've been we started off by looking at the gospel of matthew and realizing that in the gospel, right at the beginning, Jesus is the Messiah and the true king of the Jews. That's where the story starts. It starts off with a genealogy of Jesus that connects him to Abraham in the family of God, God's people that he established through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob, who was renamed Israel. Israel, who had 12 sons, and those 12 sons became the 12 tribes of Israel. One of those sons named Judah, and the region of Judah and Judea became where we get that term Jew. That's where that comes from, from Judea and from the tribe of Judah. That lineage, that connection to the family of God through Abraham. But also then through King David. Through King David, the lineage of the King, Jesus comes as Messiah and King, the one true King, and that's revealed to us right away at the very beginning of the Gospel of Matthew. And then last week, Pastor Angie helped us understand how in that journey that Jesus takes, we are introduced to this character named John. John, who is doing baptism down at the Jordan River, comes out of the wilderness. Jesus meets him there, and and John is calling out to his people with a baptism of repentance a repentance that is to get the gunk out, to clean the gunk out of our lives, just like cleaning out the the gutters in our lives that get plugged up with the gunk that happens in our lives. It's a, a turning away from that, a cleaning out of our sin. But it's more than that, because in Jesus, Jesus comes to bring a baptism of fire, a baptism of the presence of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives that also adopts us into God's Family, So kingdom, family, these things all tie together in the gospel as it's revealed to us. This unfolding story of God's love and God's plan for us. And that brings us today to Matthew chapter 4. And I'd like to read this portion of scripture to you. Matthew chapter 4 beginning at verse 1. If you have a Bible with you, that's wonderful. Feel free to open up your Bibles. If you have it on your phone or some other method, that's great too. But I'm going to begin reading from verse 1 of the Gospel according to Matthew through verse 17. So please follow along as I read. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulon and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Land of Zebulon and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come. Near. The temptation of Jesus, a very famous story in the scriptures. It follows immediately after Jesus is baptized. He is called out into the wilderness. It says, He is led out into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit to be tempted by Satan. Now, when you hear that, being led out to be tempted, you might be thinking to yourself, well, wait a second, isn't there a prayer that we pray almost every Sunday, the, the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray that includes those words, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil? So why would Jesus be led into temptation? Well, it's important to understand what's happening in this passage. He's not being led into temptation. He's being led into the wilderness, He's being led into the wilderness. And in the wilderness, he faces temptation. And that's an important distinction. Because the wilderness has great significance in God's word. The story, as it unfolds, has many facets to it that deal directly with the wilderness. Now, what is the wilderness that we're talking about here? Well, you know, you and I might have a particular image of what wilderness is, being Minnesotans. When I think wilderness in Minnesota, I think going up to the Boundary Waters Canoe Area. Anybody ever been up to the Boundary Waters? Yes, beautiful, wonderful place, rugged, Sometimes those portages are long and hard, mosquitoes the size of giant birds that try to carry you off. It doesn't matter what kind of hat you're wearing, they will get you. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's out there, it's in the wild, it's, it's unprotected. That's what I think of most naturally when I think of wilderness. Now, there are places similar to that in the places where Jesus did his ministry. There were places that were heavily wooded around some of the river areas where there was moisture, and they would also be considered wilderness. But most of the time in the Bible, when we're speaking about wilderness, we're speaking about the desert. We're speaking about arid places, places where there's not a lot of water, not a lot to eat, and not a lot to protect you from the elements. Those are the things that would be considered wilderness. Wilderness. So this place in the wilderness, this is where Jesus is being led out into. And while he is there, he is tempted, and his responses to these temptations are very interesting because Jesus' responses to each of these temptations come straight out of God's word, and not just any word. It comes out of the book of Deuteronomy. And why is that significant? Well, you see, Jesus is going into the wilderness to accomplish that which God's people could not. You see, in the story of God's people, in the story of the Exodus, they are led out into the wilderness. And while they are out in the wilderness, they face temptations. And these temptations fall directly in line with the temptations that Jesus faced. The first temptation offered to Jesus, turn these stones into bread. What was a major temptation for those who were out in the wilderness? Uh, God's people, when they were brought out in the Exodus, we're out here in the wilderness, there's nothing to eat, we're gonna starve. Let's go back to Egypt. So, what does God provide for them? Manna. Manna, bread from heaven. But that's not what the word manna means. You know what the word manna means in Hebrew? What is it? That's what it means what is it? It's kind of like your kids, right? When they come to the table and you prepare a special meal for them, they look at it and they're like, what is it? (laughs) Well, it's dinner, that's what it is, and you're going to eat it, (laughs) right? Well, this is what God provides for his people, manna in the wilderness, and they're kind of like, what is it? And after a while, they're like, we're kind of tired of it. They start complaining, about what it is that God has provided. The temptation to be like, no, this isn't good enough. I want more. I want something else. And and God keeps providing for them, but they continue to complain. Here's Jesus in that same situation. Hungry, starving, thirsty, been out there for 40 days and 40 nights with nothing. And Satan just says, well, just turn these stones into some bread. You can do this. Jesus replies with what's spoken in Deuteronomy. Man man lives not by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the Father's mouth. Okay, that's what Jesus does. Jesus overcomes that temptation that the people of God could not. He lives into fulfilling God's law while he's in the desert, and he does it in the next sentence too. Being brought up to the top of the mountain, brought up to this high point, top of the temple, to look out and say, hey, just be thrown off of this, and you'll, you'll be caught because the angels will take care of you. Pride. Being up there to go, well, you know what? I'm a child. I'm, I'm a child of Abraham, just like God's people in the wilderness. Well, you know what? It doesn't really matter what I do. I'm, I'm one of God's children. So whatever I do is all fine. I don't, I don't really need to, to live up to any expectations. I'm, I'm one of God's children. I'm a chosen person. Pride putting God to the test. That's what God's people did over and over again, not only in the wilderness, but in other places too throughout the Old Testament. And here is Jesus who comes into the same place with that same temptation put in front of him, and he says, no, right from Deuteronomy, do not put your Lord, your God, to the test. And then finally, that ultimate place of temptation, brought to the highest mountain to see all of the kingdoms of the world. All of this can be yours, Jesus, if you'll simply bow down and worship me and jesus comes back with that response that is right from the very first commandment that god gives his people you shall have no other gods but me worship no one else how did god's people handle that in the wilderness not so good As a matter of fact, it bought him another 40 years in the wilderness until a whole generation was wiped out when they created a golden calf and decided to worship that instead. So here is Jesus in this amazing story living out and fulfilling that which God intended for his people in the wilderness. Powerful story. And it points to something. Jesus is obedient to God and fulfills God's desire for Israel. The whole story points to Jesus as the Messiah who has come to bring the kingdom of heaven near. That which seems distant and far away. Jesus has come to bring it near in himself. He comes near with this. So what is the significance of this happening in the wilderness? What's the purpose of the wilderness? Why in the wilderness? Because you see, in the wilderness is where people are exposed. I don't know if you know this, but I've learned a little bit about this myself, related to the wilderness. But there are things that when you go out into the wilderness that you face, you face those things such as hunger, and thirst things that you're short of but one of the things that you can die of before you die of thirst or before you die of hunger is exposure exposure see when you're out in the desert and you don't have a hat see that's all this stuff just ties back into the hat again <laughs> if you're out there in the wilderness and you don't have something to protect you the sun will strip the life right out of you you are exposed out there. It's hot. It will strip the life right out of you. But that's not the only danger, because what people often don't realize is that while it is burning hot in the desert during the day, it can become freezing cold in the desert at night. People don't tend to associate that with the desert, but that's the reality of the desert. The desert doesn't retain heat well. There's no humidity there, so it doesn't stay in the air. It gets cold at night in the desert. And here's a little fact that I learned that I was not aware of. Do you realize that any temperature below 50 degrees, if you're left out there, you know, exposed, if you don't have proper clothing or anything like that, if the temperature drops below 50 degrees, you can die of hypothermia overnight. If the temperature drops below 50 degrees, we live in Minnesota. What are we doing here? Seriously, (laughs) you better put on the right stuff, right? you got to have the right stuff to cover you up if you're left exposed to the elements. You could burn to death, freeze to death, have the sun strip the life out of you. Exposure is what happens in the wilderness. You are exposed. Well, the wilderness, as it pertains to God's people, The wilderness is meant to expose God's people so he can reveal, deal, and heal. That's what God does in the wilderness with people, with his people. See, in that story of the Exodus, God reveals himself in the wilderness. As a matter of fact, even before then, God reveals himself to Moses where? At the side of a mountain in the wilderness, in a burning bush. That's where God shows himself to Moses after Moses escapes, uh, you know, after he commits murder. Swell guy, that Moses. But, but Moses goes out there in the wilderness, and that's where he meets God. That's where God reveals himself to him, to the wilderness. And when God's people are in the wilderness, after being drawn out from Egypt, God reveals himself there too, leads them by a pillar of fire at night and a cloud by day. Isn't that interesting? A pillar of fire at night in the wilderness. And a cloud in the day to protect you from the sun. God reveals himself to his people in the wilderness. It's his desire to reveal himself to them while they are exposed. They're exposed to the elements, to hunger, to thirst. And something else that gets exposed when they're in that place is their true motivations, their real self. When you're hungry, when you're thirsty, when you're without cover, when all the distractions are pulled away, that's where a lot of your real self gets exposed. What's really going on in your heart, where your real devotion lies, where your real weaknesses and hurt and sin are. And that's where God reveals himself to his people. But not only that, he also deals with his people in the wilderness. He deals with his people in the wilderness. This is the place where he brings them to the mountain. And they hear his voice and they go, Ah, his voice is too loud. Moses, you go talk to him. Moses goes on the mountain. And on the mountain, God deals with him and says, Here, these are the commandments that I'm offering my people to live by. This is the covenant that I am striking with them. You ever wonder why Moses is shown carrying the two tablets? It's not because there were five commandments on each. It's because they both were ten commandments. One of them was meant to be God's copy of the contract, the other was God's people's copy of the contract. That's the way a contract works signed by both sides. Here's your copy, here's mine. It's a covenant. And God strikes a deal with his people out in the desert. And he also deals with his people out there in the wilderness too. Because when they start breaking the commandments, when they start moving away from him, he brings discipline there too. He deals with his people when they are exposed. When their real hearts and their real actions, their real motivations are put out there, he deals with them. Sometimes harshly. So he reveals himself to them he deals with his people in the wilderness while they're exposed but he also heals them he heals them he provides for them through manna through quail through water in the wilderness he provides for his people it's a manner of his healing but he's also rescuing them you see God's call of his people out of Egypt is a call out of slavery, a call out of bondage, a call out of, out of 400 years of being stuck there. He calls them out of that. He rescues them. He saves them. Because you see, in the Bible, salvation and healing are virtually interchangeable words. To be saved is to be healed. To be healed is to be saved. They are used interchangeably. So this healing work that God does with his people in providing for them and caring for them in this exposed place in the wilderness is salvation. He's saving them and rescuing them away from something that is causing them harm and destruction and bondage. The wilderness is meant to expose God's people so that he can reveal himself to them, deal with them, and heal them. Now, some of you have experienced some seasons of wilderness, and I'm not just talking about a trip up to the Boundary Waters. I'm talking about a spiritual wilderness. Some of you may be experiencing one now, or will experience one in the future, a spiritual wilderness that place where it seems like the comforts of life the things that you have grown accustomed to to providing for yourself or or providing for those around you where where you have gotten comfortable you may have felt those things being stripped away and taken away as if you were being brought out into the wilderness friends God doesn't bring wilderness into your life to harm you it may be uncomfortable but it's in the wilderness that God exposes who you really are and exposes us to him. And if you haven't had one of these experiences, I want to encourage you to listen to the Holy Spirit and don't be afraid to let him lead you into the wilderness because the wilderness is meant to expose who you are so Jesus can reveal who he is to you. Jesus desires to reveal himself to you, but sometimes in order to do that, he has to clear away all the noise. We live in a noisy world, a noisy culture. And I'm not going to be arrogant enough to say, well, we live in the noisiest culture that's ever existed in history." No, come on. That's that's putting too much pressure on on history, okay? Anybody who's lived through different portions of history knows that every season of history has its own noise that people have to deal with. But in those places and in those times God calls you out into the wilderness. His spirit can cause, call you away from that noise to come and be with him. And it can feel scary. It can feel like you're being exposed. Because out in that place when, when it isn't as easy to, to just feed yourself or, or, or get the water that you need or, or cover and protect yourself in those places it can feel very uncomfortable and believe me if, I'm, if you're anything like me, when we get uncomfortable, we get crabby. And lots of times the real us starts to come out. It's okay, though. It's okay to be exposed in the wilderness to God because God desires to do something amazing in your life in those places. It's his desire to meet you there and reveal himself to you. And deal with you and heal you. He'll reveal himself away from the noise. But then God also calls you there to deal with you. And what does it mean when God deals with you? It means this. Everybody's got stuff. Everybody's got stuff. I'm not just talking about the stuff that fills up your garage or the stuff that you need to clear out of your basement. I'm talking about the stuff in your life. The relational stuff, the addiction stuff, the broken stuff, the stuff that you have done or the stuff that's been done to you. Everybody has got stuff. You've got it, I've got it. All God's children got stuff. But out in the wilderness, that stuff gets exposed and that can feel terrifying what if everybody knew it's just easier to stay in the noise and hide out in the place where you don't have to deal no you're, you're being called out into the wilderness by God and it will expose those things and it won't be comfortable and it won't feel good but there God can deal with that stuff in you it's not easy it's hard but it's good it's so good To go and be with God and let God deal with your stuff and help you to deal with it too. It's his desire out of his mercy and his love for you. To reveal himself to you away from the noise, to help deal with your stuff so that ultimately he can heal you. Bring you his healing and his salvation. And friends, salvation isn't just an event. It's not just a prayer you said a few years ago. Salvation is a part of God's rescuing and healing in you and for you that will carry you all the way into eternity in his presence until the healing is finally done. In his presence forever. Forever. But in the meantime, there is healing that God wants to do. There is saving work that He wants to do in your life. And it requires something being exposed for that to happen. But here's the thing the wilderness is meant to expose who you are so Jesus can cover you with His grace. See, grace is that covering, it's that unmerited favor. That abiding presence and amazing love of God that wants to cover you. God's got you covered. But you have to be willing to expose yourself to who He really is and be exposed for who you really are in order for God to do that work, to reveal Himself and deal with your stuff and then cover you in His grace. It happens in the wilderness. So how do you know you can trust Jesus in the wilderness? Because Jesus has been there. And if you feel like you don't know your way into the wilderness or through the wilderness or out of the wilderness, the way has been made for you because Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. And Jesus is your way in the wilderness. And he waits for you in the wilderness. And he will meet you there in the wilderness. So don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of his healing mercy. Don't be afraid of him revealing himself to you. Don't be afraid of him dealing with you. Because ultimately it's all out of his grace. It's all out of his desire to cover you when you are exposed God provides cover. God is the cover. From the very beginning, God knew that we would need a covering for our sins. That covering is the person of Jesus who shows you his love, who shows you his cover, who will be with you in the wilderness. He will be your way in the wilderness. Your way in, your way through, your way out. And maybe another time back in again. Don't be afraid, friends. It's God's desire to meet you in the wilderness where you are exposed and covered by the grace of God. So, what's the next step? Well, the next step is to continue on this journey through Matthew. Take time to encounter Jesus there, let Jesus expose you to himself there open yourself up to letting the holy spirit do that work in you as you read it's not just a mental exercise and hey if if you feel like there's some stuff that you need to deal with after this entire season that we've been through come and join us on thursday night be here at 6 30 for the service of of grief and remembrance It's not just grief because somebody has died. It it might be a grief that you are carrying for who knows what and for who knows how long that has been exposed and revealed because we've all kind of had a bit of wilderness experience this last year. Come and and let the Holy Spirit meet you and minister to you in that place. And then if you need it, seek Jesus' help through the help of other people, through a good counselor, through a good prayer minister, through somebody who can help you walk on this journey. Sometimes we don't see it ourselves and we need somebody else to, to help shine God's light onto these things. It's okay. Find somebody you trust to help you on that part of the journey too. Let's take these next steps and let's trust that that place that God brings us to to expose us in the wilderness is a place where he will also reveal himself to us, deal with us, and heal us. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your abundant grace that just keeps showing up again and again and again, and sometimes in surprising places. Lord, help us to see your grace even at work in those times and places where it feels like we're in a wilderness, away from that which is comfortable, taken out of those things that nourish us in this life, but instead brought into the places that expose who we really are. Father, we want to be real with you. We want to live authentically out of who you are and who you have made us to be. And that means letting you reveal yourself to us and deal with the stuff in our lives and cover us by your grace to heal us. Lord, we surrender ourselves to that today. If anybody within the sound of my voice, Lord, is finding themselves in that same place, Lord, may they just open themselves up to you, Holy Spirit, to begin that work in the wilderness, that call that you called our Lord and Savior to so that we can meet Jesus there. Thank you, Lord. We pray these things in your name today. Amen.